Hello, Mary. We have a special episode for you today. We got the opportunity to interview someone who is doing some really cool things in the world. And I, I, I wasn't expecting um, the conversation we had, actually. I, I, I was just so happy with how rich the, uh, the ideas underneath a drag st- children's drag story hour would be. And it is that rich and it is that beautiful. Uh, so I'm just really, really thrilled that we were able to talk with little Miss Hot Mets. Yeah. Yeah. This was really fun. Uh, it's uh, it's always fun to chat with drag queens. And, we're, and we've had some fun guests on the show before. And I feel like in some ways, little Miss Hot Mess, I was like, you are so on brand. Like this is so much of what she does and talks about. And like even her drag aesthetic, I was like, ugh. How have we not met? And so this was, you know, uh, beyond just talking about this new book, The Hips and the Drag Queen Go Swish, Swish, Swish. It was just, like, fun to connect with a drag queen who, like, we would root for on Drag Race. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. <laughs> the, the fact, you know, her aesthetic aside, the fact that what she's inherently doing is activism. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's inherent in the art, right? You don't even have to comment on anything you just read stories to kids and sure it's a lot less simpler than that but just the act of that is so powerful Mm -hmm. and so yes yes definitely a mary definitely one that we would you know root for on on any uh show whether it's rupaul's show dragula or or anything yeah yeah we're we're just we're ready we're ready to cheer um so i think without further ado here is our lovely conversation with Little Miss Hot Mess. Marys, we are very excited to bring you a guest this week uh, for our bonus episode on All Right, Mary. We are super excited to introduce to you one of the founding figures of the Drag Queen Story Hour and the author of the new children's book, The Hips on the Drag Queen, goes swish, swish, swish. Please welcome to the podcast, Little Miss Hot Mess. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being how, here. How are you, little miss? I'm really hot right now. I'm in LA and it's <laughs> oh. in the 90s, so it is not cute. But okay. I, I turned off my air conditioner so we didn't get the buzz. Oh. So <laughs> at least I don't have to have a face on right now, though. So that's great. <laughs> I'm well, just melting on the inside. It'll, yeah. You'll have a, a nice glisten. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> glow. Um, well, uh, this this is an exciting time for you. This is an exciting because uh, the, the book, uh, the hips and the drag queen, goes swish swish swish. I knew I was going to screw that up. Swish swish swish. That's coming oh. out like right around the corner. It actually it just came out this past Tuesday. So oh. it is, it, she has been birthed. She is in the world. Mm-hmm. She's she's in the hands of children already. How does that feel? It feels great. I mean, it's very weird to have it happen during quarantine when I literally can't really see it but I have been getting photos from friends and other fans who have you know kids holding the book and that's really sweet and yeah I mean it's been years coming so just to know it's out there is phenomenal yeah so what's the what what's the origin story of this book how did you start the idea that you were gonna write it well it actually started as a song that I would sing with kids at drag queen story hour And truly, like, I'm pretty sure I just made it up either in a subway or a taxi ride on the way to a story hour because I had just been reading books and I felt like it needed a little more. And I, I, you know, I was doing this at libraries. There wasn't a sound system, so I wasn't going to do a lip sync or something like that. 
But I just started to think about like what songs kids knew and how I could just like give it a teeny bit of a twist to make it about drag. And also to like give it that element of parody that's so often part of drag, right? Like to really, to take something that's in the dominant culture and make it a little bit queer. Yeah, I felt like even, you know, not w- without giving away any spoilers of the book. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Spoil I, away. It's only I, 12 lines or whatever. So. I, I think the one part that made me laugh the most was like the, the um, was the mouth on the drag queen goes blah, blah, blah. Like, I just, <laughs> yes, I love the, like poking fun at drag queens, too. It's great. <laughs> I mean, it's true. And, and for me, that one has a double entendre, right? Because it's both about us lip syncing and literally like mouthing the words and also us talking of course, way too much. So. Yeah, I, I love think that. You need to know both. <laughs> be prepared. Yeah, be, be ready. Yeah, but like celebrating that too. I feel like that's part totally. of the charm. Is like, um, which I think kind of goes into probably my first question is really um, for you the the kind of the connection of like kids and drag queens. Like how where where do those two meet? You know. Well, so I should say that I didn't come up with Drag Queen Story Hour. I just happened to get in while the getting was good. But um, my good friend, Michelle T, who's a queer author and memoirist um, and was at the time like a fresh parent and wanted a place to bring her kids that was queer, uh, her kid that was, that was queer. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it was just such like a crazy idea that just might work because kids are all about dress up. They're all about creativity. They're all about, you know, using their imagination to make up different characters and become them. And they also don't have all the like gender baggage and all that kind of stuff. Like to them, a drag queen is like a princess come to life or a superhero or some kids even like, you know, tell me I look like one of their dolls or something like that. And so I think it's really just, yeah, it's finding that space and also like reminding adults that, we can still play, right? Like drag, even in a club, is also just a form of play as well as art and entertainment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it makes me think about playing dress up as a kid and that it was, I mean, it kind of goes down to the same roots of like, okay, here's what supplies I have in the toy box. What fantasy do I want to create? Exactly. And, and I think, you know, like, I'm excited that drag can both be this really open-ended thing. Like anyone can do it. Anyone who wants to put on a wig or a pair of heels or something sparkly can be a drag queen. But it also, it isn't just dress up, right? Like it's also about that little bit of a twist or it's about taking that little bit of a risk and doing something that, you know, just pushes the boundaries a little bit. And I think that that's something that kids kind of, you know, understand inherently, but also like they can understand that as part of queer culture in a way that makes it special for them. Do you think, so I love, I love that idea that there is this nuance to it actually being a drag queen reading to children and what that actually means. And I wonder, do you think that the parents have conversations with their kids about what they're seeing or is it just like going to, you know, see a Disney princess reading stories? What's the difference? I mean, I hope the parents are doing it. I don't know exactly what they're saying, obviously, once they leave. But I mean, when I do story hours, I usually give some kind of intro about what a drag queen is for the kids. And Mm. I always focus on what drag queens do. Like, you know, a lot of kids might think a drag queen is a boy who dresses up like a girl. And they're not wrong. But of course, like, we've all seen that there are many more variations on that than just the sort of boy and girls clothes kinds of thing. So I like to stress to them, yeah, that drag queens, we love to dress up. We love to wear over the top looks. We love to 
play all the time. We love to perform. We love to sing and dance. We like to lead parades. Sometimes we volunteer in our communities and, you know, visit people who are sick or work in food banks or, you know, raise funds for all these things. Because I think that that, it's not to discredit the gender play of it, but in some ways, like, it's 2020. Like, that's the least interesting thing about drag, right? Like, drag (laughs) is really, we're beyond that, hopefully. And we need to think about what drag is, which is, it's really about, like, taking whatever fantasy you have and making it into a reality just because you say that that's what it is, right? Like, it's it's about transforming the world around you through really, really simple tools that are just in your closet. Yeah. And I love that, especially thinking about the lens of, like, drag and kids is that, you know, drag can obviously have so much, just like an iceberg of meaning underneath. It can be so much sort of activism mm-hmm. and political commentary and some people will see all of that and will get that. And then mm-hmm. for a lot of kids, what they're seeing is like, oh my gosh, you're so colorful and you're so beautiful. Right. You're so you're tall. So, <laughs> you're so tall. And like, it's just as meaningful that for them, even if they don't get everything else you're totally. doing. Totally. And I will take all of those compliments. I will be the prettiest girl in the room if that's what they want me to be. <laughs> yeah. um, and But I mean, but the, those are also kind of these like lovely moments of connection too. Like when the kids ask me, how do I get the glitter to stick to my face? Mm-hmm. Or where did I get such crazy color hair? Like there are these really sweet, genuine questions that, you know, if an adult asked me, I might be like, don't touch my hair. But if a kid <laughs> really wants to kind of get at the nitty gritty, like it, it comes from this very sweet, genuine place of curiosity. And, and I think that that's like more than anything else, what we should be encouraging in kids is to ask those questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's like model behavior for adults, if anything, as well, like (laughs) being curious and, you know, (laughs) respectful. (laughs) 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 When when you're when you're reading the stories, how much do you interact with the story hour outside of the book? I like to find as many places to interact as I can, because I think that's like something that we're offering in a story hour environment, right? Like it's not just, you know, a robot could read the book on the page, but we're drag queens. So we have a little more to offer. And so for me, part of it is about like, you know, doing voices or, you know, asking kids a question like, what color is that? Or have you ever felt nervous or something like that that engages them in what's happening in the book? And then I also, you know, I try to throw in a couple zingers for the parents too. Like (laughs) oftentimes those go over the kids' heads, but that's part of the fun, I think, for them, too, is that they're not just listening to, you know, the regular Saturday morning librarian, but they get a little bit of a show as well. Yeah. Um, but but that's also fun, too, because, like, kids have such different senses of humor. And, and that was one of the shocking things when I started doing it is that, like, subtlety, sarcasm, that doesn't really fly with kids just because they don't have those skills yet. But, like, they anything, like, goofy or silly or just, like, something that brings out those giggles is what they want. And so getting to kind of like play on both of those dimensions is really fun. I feel like I saw an example of that because I saw the video of you reading Worm Loves Worm. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was very much what you were saying is there was like, there were these moments of interacting with the, with the audience and asking questions. And um, it was like the nicest, like six or seven minutes of my life. It was so oh, good. Well, thank you. <laughs> I like didn't realize how much I needed it during these times. Oh, it was very calming. We, we all need these stories. Like they're incredibly yeah. relaxing and, and yeah, and I mean, that's the other thing, too, is that now that we're in quarantine and doing all these live streams, like, to me, it's just hilarious and fun to kind of have that, like, Mr. Rogers or, like, Dora the Explorer moment of, like, what's your name, Lena? 
<laughs> what right. a great name, you know? Or like, yeah. So yeah, like, create that fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Giving, th- that's my fantasy right now. <laughs> <laughs> now all I'm thinking about is Blue's Clues and how much I had a crush oh. on that guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I have a question, Little Miss. I we're talking about the kids and what the kids are getting out of this, and I I, I wonder if we could just very briefly shift the conversation to you. What is what, what what's the difference between Lil Miss reading these stories in drag versus not in drag? What are you getting out of it? How do you change? That is a great question. I mean, I've barely read stories not in drag. Like this is this is my way in in some ways to getting to have relationships with kids. I mean, more of my friends are starting to have kids, and I guess I've done some kind of like one-on-one story times, you know, when they're going to bed or whatever. But I mean, I really think for me, the biggest thing is just, it's like getting to be public and getting to be around kids in this overtly queer space that looks so different from the world in which I grew up, right? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm in my mid, early, early, late thirties. Um, so I feel like I'm like right on that edge where like, you know, growing up, we, we had a GSA in high school, but I wasn't in it and I wasn't out in high school. and. You know, I still remember AOL, like, you know, like I, I'm old enough to like remember a time that wasn't quite as like sunshine, lollipops and rainbows as it is now. And so it it truly, you know, like seeing some of these kids, especially like the kids who really do come dressed up or they wear their favorite tutu or their sparkly shoes and are just so proud of it. It's it's truly like getting to witness this childhood that I can only imagine having had. And, and there is something like deeply healing about that. Just Oh, getting to witness yes. it. Yes. Absolutely. It is, I, we're kind of of the same generation, mid, early, late 30s, you know, Excuse every me? day. <laughs> the, the years are, they kind of move every day. Right. Um, but uh, it, it, I totally agree. There is something looking back, even, you know, going on Amazon and like, you know, looking at the, the related books to yours, just kind of seeing what else they say is, is similar. And it was like, I cannot believe, and I'm probably seeing a percentage of what's out there of, of right. books like, like worm loves worm or pink is for boys or Julian is a mermaid. And I was like, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine having this. And I was a kid who needed that. So mm-hmm. I agree. It's so mm-hmm. healing as an adult to see other kids having that. And I mean, a lot of those themes like always were in the books, right? It's now that like, it, I mean, I was to say they're coming out of the closet, which like shoot me for saying that it's such a cliche <laughs> thing, but like, no. it's true. It's just like, it's a little bit more overt and it's just a little bit more, clear and yeah we're we're just allowed to it's like we're allowed to have that and that's that's partly why I was so excited to do this parody is like I could care less about parodying the wheels on the bus like it's not about that song but it's about getting kids to swish their hips which like you know was anathema to me as a child or shimmying your shoulders or even like you know wanting to be a drag queen or or knowing what a drag queen is would have been so off limits so that mm. yeah that's really the joy of it i think the other healing thing that i'm getting from this is obviously the relationship with the kids but then also seeing the parents actively bringing their children here mm-hmm. and interacting and therefore co-signing what's going on in the room oh totally yeah and i mean i it's so fun to see queer families but it is also so fun to just see families of all varieties like really getting on board and like I've seen some grandparents there and there's always like, you know, a couple of random adults or teenagers who happen to come by too and just want to see a drag show, you know? So like it is, it is very sweet. And you know, I'm also 
I'm not cruising, but I am. I'm keeping my eye on the dads in the room. I will say that. <laughs> since, since this isn't a child-oriented podcast in general, I, I no, no, no. Like, Welcome to the stage, hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I mean, cruising dads, you're in good company. Yeah, we hear you, girl. We all have uh, to get our own thing out of it. Absolutely, totally, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Just love so the idea of a drag show at like. 2 p.m. on a Sunday as well at oh a library. God. Try 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. Oh, oh, oh wow. Yeah, it's oh, rough. Wow. It's rough. <laughs> you you're are really doing work. Yeah, you're really doing important work. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting thinking about children's books and what you were saying before totally resonated with me. It, they're kind of coming out of the closet now. I mean, I'm thinking back to the draggiest characters, like uh, uh, Miss Nelson is missing. How she turns into Viola Swamp. Oh my God, I totally forgot about that. But yeah. Totally. Yes. And then Amelia Bedelia, I just uh, found to be wow. so draggy. Yes. Uh, Isn't she a lesbian? I mean, let's see. <laughs> or was it Harriet the Spy? Which one of them was the lesbian? <laughs> all right, golly. All right, golly. Both were. I mean, also Miss Frizzle. I mean, I feel like Miss Frizzle truly probably is my icon. Like, mm-hmm. if I really dug deep enough. Mm-hmm. Oh, that warms me so much. Right? I forgot all about Miss Frizzle. She's right? fabulous. She's fabulous. And I mean, I'm not always a redhead, but I'm often a redhead. And she, her dress changes with every field trip they go on, right? Like she always has like the solar system or the mm-hmm. under the sea or whatever. And yeah, she's, she's really working those looks for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's so interactive. She was what you wanted your second grade teacher to be and do all the time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> And just like speaking of interactive, I that was one of the things, and we sort of mentioned this before, but one of the things I noticed reading through Hips on the Drag Queen Go Swish, 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 is that like, I I mean, I, I'll admit, I didn't stand up and swish as I was reading it, I but that's my own deep-seated shame. So, you know, I'm working on that. That's more of a me thing than a you thing. But I love thinking about like, oh, yeah, this is, this is freeing kids up to just, especially the things that are like the, I, I thought about like where it says like the jewelry goes bling, bling, bling. And I thought that's so open to interpretation for how kids want to play that out. And mm-hmm. it's like, and I, and I just, honestly, I thought of some like little kid just queening out in the library and it just made me really happy. Oh, <laughs> it's true. And I mean, yes, I've gotten to see some of those queen, those, those little queens in training and, and I hope to get to see more. And yeah, I mean, part of it too. I, I mean, again, this all kind of came to me in a, moment and I had no idea at the time that it would be a book but but instead of kind of giving kids this like drag 101 or drag queens are this but they're not that it's yeah it's about having them feel it like it's it's not that it's anti-intellectual but it's it's about the embodied response it's about like having a sense of what it could be like to be a drag queen just by moving your body around yeah Mm. yeah and like how accessible it is all you got to do is just kind of like feel the fantasy and there you're you're there you're a queen and maybe you give a big shimmy maybe you give a little shimmy you know maybe maybe you really maybe you do a double twirl who knows but right yeah why not (laughs) we live in crazy times yeah exactly a double twirl all the way i love it Um, (laughs) um i also i wanted to mention love the illustrations by olga de dios i they are so can, Uh can you tell me how you two connected yeah, so I mean, I'm very lucky in that I got my first choice illustrator, both because, you know, usually publishers kind of want to work with the people they want to work with. And like, you never know who's going to be available on top of that. But I really pushed hard. And thankfully, they were along for the ride. Because I didn't want something that felt like soft, or like, if you look a lot of, at a lot of kids books now, it's like, 
Bratz doll, sexy, big eye princesses, you know? And I was like that, like, and part of it too was like, you know, drag queens could easily look like Disney princesses if you kind of don't understand just the very subtle differences between them. And so I sort of did a lot of research and found Olga's work, which I hadn't seen before because most of it's in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of her work is like monsters and these creatures that are so friendly and so cute and so quirky and edgy. And I was like, I'd rather have someone who can do monsters than can do baby dolls, you know, because that yeah. I think is the queerness and she identifies as queer and she just got it right away. So I, yeah, in some ways it's like, I almost wish we got to collaborate more because I just sent her some, you know, reference photos of like my drag community she came up with these amazing characters and then it was like, all right, good. Right. Like nothing more to say here, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, um, <laughs> well, I mean, we, we chatted a little before we started, but you, I mean, kind of talking about like the iceberg of a drag queen and that there can be, you know, the beautiful hair and the, and the makeup and the jewelry, but then there can be all this sort of meaning and, and thought underneath. Um, you are also currently getting your PhD right now. Is that correct? I am. I'm a very overeducated drag queen at this point yeah. in my life. <laughs> um, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure in some way that's informing, or maybe it's a totally different part of your life, but do you feel like it's informing the, the drag queen reading children's books and writing a children's book part of you as well? I mean, it is. I think in that I do see myself as an educator. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I'm getting the PhD because I want to teach college students. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think, Truly, if I could wake up early enough, I could also be a preschool teacher. Like, I think I would enjoy that in many ways, just as much as teaching 20 year olds. Um, but, you know, mama needs to sleep in and need, needs a little bit of time to do my own stuff as well. So, yeah, um, yeah but I, I, yeah, I mean, so there, for a long time, I really wanted to keep drag and academia separate because mm-hmm. drag was my joy. Academia can be joyful in its own way, but it can also be the day job. And so I, you know, I just wanted that little bit of barrier. But more and more drag is seeping into that work. And and even I'd actually say through doing Drag Queen Story Hour, I've thought a lot more about like how to take the tricks from working with kids and apply those to my college students in the classroom. Um, And I'm working on a paper with an education scholar about what we're calling drag pedagogy, um, you know, as a way of thinking thinking through these things of what kids can learn from drag that isn't just, you know, here's the definition, rinse and repeat kind of thing. Right. How to put on nails kind of thing. Right, right, yeah. Right. How to put on yeah. nails, how to do your hair, yeah. how to turn trash into treasure, you know. Yeah, yeah, the basics, yeah. Um, I was going to ask about the your PhD project, Yeah. which uh, just kind of cliff notes, <laughs> and then you could fill in all the gaps, this idea of the cultures of surveillance and resistance and how you know, that topic kind of interacts with digital drag media right now. Uh, if you could just, uh, I don't know, what's your project on? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fascinating. This is, yeah. this is the worst question. No, um, I'm just kidding. No, it's a great question. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at like what people now call surveillance capitalism. So not just the kind of like government big brother, but all the social media and, and the ways in which we're kind of participating in these tools that are tracking us 24 seven through our devices and through things in our environment and everything. But I'm trying to think about basically queer strategies that have been in play for a long time that either have actively kind of resisted this, these forms of surveillance or could be rethought to do that. So um, the thing that I've, that I've focused the most on so far has been the drag piece where 
um, I was interested in thinking about, well, basically I, I saw a lot of people in my drag community um, at some point started posting screenshots where Facebook was mistagging them as other drag queens. Right. And I was like, interesting, like this is both a failure, but it's also something that we could use in theory to protect ourselves against being tracked by facial recognition. Um, so yeah, so I've sort of been exploring and like thinking through the ways that drag queens don't fit into the clean boxes of interfaces like Facebook, you know, whether that's like with real names, which is a whole nother drama that I've been involved with. <laughs> totally, you know, yeah, that's amazing. Facial recognition, or even just, you know, simple things like having drag members be part of your family on Facebook. It's that way in which drag, it's not, again, it's not all pretend, it's not fake. It's this really kind of like nuanced, layered, complex way of holding different parts of our identities. So that's kind of where that work is going. And and then I'm also trying to look at like, you know, ways that gay men have cruised and, and kind of like signaled desires to each other through hanky codes or through other, you know, ways of kind of like signaling and gaydar. And I'm also kind of trying to look at um, like queer witchcraft and tarot and astrology yeah. as, as these other forms of prediction um, and that are that are less rational but are also still have these kind of like algorithmic ways of working, right? Like there's, I mean, astrology is all about math and tarot is all about the way you arrange the cards. And so, Oh, yep. I love that. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, thinking about like studying gay men and how they, how they cruise. I mean, it's like, it's like you're putting together a language. Like it literally is a whole, I think about that often. It's like, it's a whole language. And some of it, what's fascinating about that is some of it, I feel like I couldn't, I couldn't explain it to somebody else. Like I couldn't tell somebody, oh, I know what he's saying to me. I just know it's happening, you know? Sure. Totally. Sure. Yeah. And and so many subcultures have that kind of, you know, intercultural language or intercultural cultural language. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's fun to explore and it keeps me interested. <laughs> yeah, right. I, yeah. I wonder how your how now has drag artists all around the globe are creating content now online, how mm -hmm. that affects anything uh, in terms of surveillance right like it it right. seems like the, the jig is up in a way yeah I mean I haven't thought about that as much partly because there's just been such a rush to get it online to keep it going right and right I mean in some ways I think it's exciting because I do think you know we're using these big platforms but I do think we're using them on our own terms like people are using twitch because you can get away with you know not having music rights or get away mm -hmm. with doing certain things there that you couldn't do on Facebook. So there is still like a bit of this like picking and choosing and, you know, maybe not doing exactly what the platform wants from you, but it's true. I mean, the more data we put online, the more there is for them to mine. And that is a little bit scary. But I also think too, like, <laughs> I think there was always a bit of a backlash coming, but I think once we're able to get off of our screens for real, people are going to want to be in person together. And I think, I think that will be a great thing. And Mm. hopefully hopefully when we come out on the other side of that we'll be able to have more of these critical conversations about what we want technology to do yeah sure. maybe after this like binge of being everything on screen social right. interactions on screens everything it'd be like hopefully we'll, we'll realize okay i have to put my phone down i just have right. to do it right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. like maybe, maybe we'll yeah. all get dumb phones again like maybe we'll, oh, you know we all get like, jitterbugs yeah right <laughs> Maybe I'll make the drag queen jitterbug. Maybe that's yeah. the glitter bug. The glitter bug. Oh, the glitter bugs. Yeah. It's done. The <laughs> For the drag queen who doesn't want you to see her face anymore. I love it. <laughs>
<laughs> so speaking of obviously uh, these times where everything's on screens now that I'm sure you're, you know, with the book coming out, you're going to be wanting to go out and promote it and share mm-hmm. it with other folks. How are you doing that now? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing a lot of live stream story hours and hooking up with local bookstores and mm-hmm. local community centers and things like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's not as fun as being in person, but mm-hmm. in some ways it's also nice. Like I'll, I'll probably end up going more places, quote unquote, than I would have right. if I had to get on a plane and schlep around the country. So that's exciting. And and I do think with Story Hour in general, like it was something we had always been talking about and never really had the, you know, just the capacity to focus on. And But it is exciting because even though we have chapters in I think 50 cities around the world right now, there's always people begging us to come to their town. And, mm-hmm. and that's like, Sadly, it's not the model we work with because we really, it's like, if you want to start a chapter, we can help you do that. But, you know, we don't have some magical school bus with a, you know, giant stiletto on top of it that we're driving (laughs) around the country yet. But now at least those folks in more rural communities can tune in. So that's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of like, I think the upside of all of the drag that is coming online now is that you don't have to have proximity to a gay bar or a city or or even a a queer community. It's all right there. So... Um, yeah. And I will say too, I mean, I, as much as I miss the club and as much as it's not the same to watch it, like people are turning it out. Like these Queens Mm. with their editing and with their green screens and, you know, just like with people are making really creative use of these constraints. And I fully applaud that. And it's like, it's intimidating to me, you know, like I, I, I'm doing my first, or I, you know, I've already recorded it, but my first digital drag is happening tomorrow night and <gasps> whew, it's a lot I mean but and it's a lot of work too I'll say that too it's like not only yeah. you have to do the regular planning but then you have to edit it and yeah. you have to do a million takes and like <laughs> if you mess up one word then maybe you start again or maybe you don't you know right right <laughs> um I wow. know where can folks find that I, this may come out right before that or right after but where could people I'm assuming this gonna be it'll be available after it streams well yeah so that one is um is part of drag alive which happens through the stud in San Francisco so it's not just my show it's it's I'm just doing mm-hmm. one number as part of that sure. but they have a every Saturday night um on twitch twitch.tv slash drag alive I believe um, but yeah, no, I'm also watching Bitch Pudding and I'm watching um, Princess and mm-hmm. there's probably a bajillion more that I'm not watching. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's like, I feel like right now there's so much digital drag that it, when it first started, it was like, oh my gosh, like Bitch Pudding show came out and it was like the new thing on the block. Right. And now I feel like I can't keep up. Like already it's exponentially grown. You know, totally. The weird parallel that I'll make because it's queer is, you know, the, the dawn of, uh, social media, not social media, dating apps, queer dating apps, right? Mm-hmm. I am uh, notorious for not being able to take a selfie, right? Like, I just, uh-huh. I'm like terrible <laughs> at it. And then you go on Thanks. these apps and you're like, you look phenomenal. How did right. this work? And I feel right. like it's it's similar now with drag shows where it's like, actually, I'm much better in person, you know? And I don't, <laughs> I, I don't really want to do the screen thing, but I have to figure it out right. because everybody else is doing it and you're right. finding this wave. So I think that there are skills uh, that are being developed with digital drag. And again, mm-hmm. having the access, I think, is really the most beautiful thing. That first night that Bitch Puddin' did digital drag, I... I, I was living, absolutely living, and and because everything was so scary and unknown, and then that came out, and her first number was Hide and Seek by oh, Imogen right. Yeah, I saw and that after. Oh. I was just like, oh my 
God. I am so happy this exists right now. And I don't know, Colin and I, we kind of talk about our aesthetic a lot. We There's something about, um, and this is no shade to the first installation of Digital Drag, but um, the it, we kind of love the aesthetic of public access. Yes. Mm-hmm. With the kids from, you know, the high school in their mm-hmm. AV room putting on a show. <sighs> totally. Yeah. It's just so backyard theater that I absolutely love. And I loved how this drag show brought us back to this playing dress up in your house, in mm-hmm. your attic, making mm-hmm. movies in the bathroom. I It was yes. so fabulous and I, I i so as much as i hate that we're watching screens right now there's a new aesthetic coming out and sure, I, yes. I i love that no i love that too and and i mean it's also i know that your show is mainly about rupaul so i will speak ill but there's something nice speak about really. it <laughs> there's something nice. i mean i don't i don't speak publicly in negative ways about that show but um no but there's like it's it's also very different from rupaul right like it's it's not that polished it's not formulaic which is not necessarily a read of rupaul either but like it's it does bring that club experience onto the screen in a way that you know maybe you would get from like people just throwing up videos of their numbers in the club but it it really is translating that. And yeah, I totally hear you on the public access thing. Like one of my long-term projects that has been in the back of my mind is like to get a grant to just basically install a webcam in like every gay bar that has a regular drag show and just have a public access stream style yeah. 24-7 or or however long, you know, whatever times a day it can run. Cause oh. I just there's such magic in like, yeah, that those small spaces, those dark spaces, the mess ups, the grainy video, like that's what I grew up on in terms of drag and and I live for it still. Yeah, and it's those performances where even with all of the, even sort of the warts and all quality, there can be some moment of pure like magic and maybe seven people saw it, you mm-hmm. know? And like, exactly. that's, it's kind of cool. And that's what, that's what legendary, truly means right mm-hmm. like it's like those mm-hmm. things that like often weren't recorded or were very poorly recorded but that you would hear about for weeks or months or years and they were like tr- like they were truly a legend like it was truly yeah. the lore of that community and yeah mm-hmm. i think we're i think we're getting a little taste of that on screen right now and especially too with some of the like the queens who aren't going super digital super you know hi-fi editing like you you see their talent come through and it's just like a beautiful show-stopping lip sync completely i you know it makes me think of what would we do if we didn't have footage of tandy amon dupree doing that epic entrance from the ceiling into a split somebody caught that on camera yes yes yeah but even if they hadn't some of us would still be talking about it. Sure. You know what yep. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like thank, yes, thank the goddess that we can see it for our own eyes. But, oh, just, just knowing that a drag queen fell from the ceiling into a split makes <laughs> mm-hmm. the world living to me, frankly. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it, those stories, it's like in your imagine. We were, we think of it in our imagination, and it's some just ridiculous <laughs> thing. And, and those stories kind of live best in that crazy imaginary space. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, Iconic. Well, yeah. Um, well, this, I mean, I I have just enjoyed this so thoroughly and uh, I'm so excited about the hips and the drag queen go swish, swish, swish. Uh, where can folks find this and you? 
Well, the book is available wherever books are sold. So I encourage people to call their local bookstores or see if they're taking orders online just to, you know, support local indie businesses. Um, and then I'm all over. I'm at Lil Miss Hot Mess on pretty much everything. It is L-I-L Miss Hot Mess, not the full little. Um, I'm not on TikTok yet, but I I may, I may succumb despite my <laughs> age as previously mentioned <laughs> um, but yeah lovethomas.com or on all the social media fabulous oh well I, fabulous. we really appreciate you joining us and sharing all your brilliance um oh God, and thank you so much for having me and asking such good questions too oh, oh, oh completely yeah, yeah completely you know uh, i i want you to have your air conditioning back on <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah I, certainly I, I, I could yeah. talk to you i could talk to you about drag surveillance your phd sounds so fascinating um drag aside from the whole topic because i think it's on the forefront of a lot of what people are thinking about right now because we are all on our screens and all of us have new zoom accounts right and zoom accounts are being hacked and i mean it's insane um and you know while our technological skills are getting better i can't help but think about the kids that you read to for drag queen story hour and how now they're on screens also and just the the tactile nature of going to a drag show no longer 18 and up or 21 and up it's for all ages Mm -hmm. and you get that FaceTime with the weirdest most beautiful (laughs) creature in the room you know oh yeah and I also hope that kids take this time to try drag themselves like Mm -hmm. you know like I said drag some sometimes drag is about you know designing your fantasy gown and having it made and you know rocking your couture but my style of drag has always been from the thrift shops and been from pulling something from the bottom of the closet and mm-hmm. even without a sewing machine you know gl- hot gluing safety pinning like holding it together with some spit and a prayer so i think now sure. is the perfect time for kids of all ages to really lean into that so the yeah. first drag i got into was a towel dress you know yes <laughs> yep yeah. yeah oh my gosh so That's many... probably true of many of us. Let's be yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Please dress. welcome to the stage, yeah. Carrie Cloth. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Lomas Hot Mess, uh, who is uh, drag queens will suffer for their art, whether they're wearing heels or keeping their air conditioner off. Thank you again. Um, and uh, we are so excited to uh, watch the hips on this drag queen go swish, swish, swish. Thank you so much. <laughs> Hey, Marys, thanks for listening to this lovely interview with uh, drag queen, activist, academic, beautiful soul in the world, putting something important out there. Uh, if you have any thoughts or you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at All Right Mary. You can also find us on the web at www.allrightmary.com or www.tasteofreality.com backslash allright-mary. Uh, if you want, you can email us at allrightmarypodcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter at Johnny also or on Instagram uh, sorry Twitter at Johnny also one and Instagram at Johnny also identity crisis you can find me on in the details or best supporting podcast cleaning out on nuances or best supporting actresses or a little bit of both on both uh and you can find me on twitter at colin drucker and instagram at colin drucker underscore and of course you can get more of both of us including a bonus episode every single week and access to our after show nuance uh at patreon.com slash all right mary 
I love it. We we have been so spoiled this season. I mean, despite what's happening, you know, around the world, the awful tragedies, um, and in this country especially, but um, just the drag that we've been getting to witness, right? That we wouldn't have normally witnessed. There's yeah. something about darkness that brings out light and creativity and grit and people insisting on it. So, uh, you know, Drag Queen Story Hour being one of them and then obviously Digital Drag and uh, Celebrity Drag Race, All-Stars Announcement, all of this. Oh, is, is, did that come out? Just... I guess we should talk about that soon. <laughs> we will talk about that soon. But, uh, you know, just to give our Marys a little, a little preview, I died when Angina said, Traffic. <laughs> Well, I'm going to save it all for probably a nuance episode, so uh, I'll save it for then. All right, Mary. Save the best for last, Vanessa Williams. Yes, yes. Just a <laughs> couple cookies for Santa, just for him. Mm, a lovely right. cheese that's pizza, right. just for me. Seven dollars for goobers? There's <laughs> <laughs> a little uh, Christmas remix right there. That's... Eight totally. months too early, but no big deal. <laughs> Whatever. Time doesn't exist anymore, man. No, it doesn't. No. Um, what is what is Atlantis line? Oh, I have to say it. I have to say it. I And I have no concept. I say concept because that's how she sings it. I have no concept of time other than it is flying. Ugh, love her. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you said Atlanta. I was like, Atlanta? When does that happen? Atl- <laughs> Happens every week during Happens, the commercials yeah. for Drag Race. Right. Oh, you know, if I stop recording now, I could start watching Drag Race in three minutes. So. Oh, in three, two, one. You know, I I do want to say. Um, so the the idea of uh, uh, now I forgot what I was going to say. It was something about Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> but I'm done. Well, compelling, <laughs> compelling radio, folks. Well, <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, be sure to catch us on uh, your regularly scheduled All Right, Mary. We'll be back very shortly with more thoughts on Season 12 of RuPaul's Drag Race and All-Stars 5 of RuPaul's Drag Race. All right, Mary. 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 Hit him with the 8-bit Mary. (laughs) 